Hey everyone, this is Natalie Ivey, and in today's show, I'm going to discuss investigating family and medical leave abuse and the top three tips to catch an employee who is gaming the system. You won't want to miss this one. Welcome to the HR Investigations Podcast, exploring the issues, challenges, strategies, and solutions. Sponsored by RPCHR and hosted by Natalie Ivey, an HR consultant, licensed PI, and author of the best-selling book, How to Conduct Internal Investigations, a practical guide for human resource professionals. And now, here's Natalie. Hey, everyone, and welcome to today's show, the top three tips in investigating FMLA abuse. So this is an important topic. Why? Well, for those of you who know me, you know that I've been uh, around a little while in the HR community, more than 30 years. I stopped counting. But uh, those of you who know me know that I've been around since the beginning of the FMLA. So back in 1993, when the Family and Medical Leave Act was enacted, so I've really seen the entire history of this particular piece of legislation. Now, the FMLA is a really good piece of legislation, and when our lawmakers put it in, it was uh, with really good intentions. The problem is, over time, this thing has gotten a little out of control. I don't think there's an HR professional out there who will tell you that they really enjoy managing FMLA. It's a lot of administrative stuff. It's uh, quite a significant burden for tracking. But I'll tell you what really has emerged over time is the issue with intermittent leave. In uh, a study that was conducted by the World at Work organization, 42% of U.S. organizations have indicated suspicions of FMLA abuse, and 51% of the intermittent leave is unscheduled, and 81% of the time when employees are taking intermittent leave under FMLA, they are providing their employer with no more than 24 hours notice. So you can just imagine for some businesses, especially some of my clients that I work with in the healthcare business, uh, wow, that's tough. You have a nurse that's not going to show up for a seven o'clock shift, and now suddenly uh, the supervisor is working short-staffed and they have to scramble to cover shifts. It's become uh, quite a burden. So of course, organizations, if an employee has a certification and their doctor is signed off on it, there's really not a whole lot that you can do. It's part of the process today. It's a piece of legislation that was enacted in, as I said, 1993. And over time, uh, more and more people have become aware of their rights. Businesses that were small that now cross uh, over the threshold for compliance, now suddenly employees are being able to take time off. So it is what it is. But now the issue is the intermittent leave and employees game in the system. So what are we really seeing? We're seeing things like migraine headaches and episodic conditions such as asthma or things like irritable bowel syndrome or things like rheumatoid arthritis or lupus, other episodic conditions where employees are kind of conveniently calling in on days like Fridays and Mondays. That's why those of us who have been around a while, we call the FMLA the Friday-Monday Leave Act. <laughs> All right, so why is the abuse happening? Well, back in 1993, when this thing got started, uh, that was before we really had smartphones. Okay, so today, employees are, first of all, much, much more aware of their rights, and more employees are aware of the intermittent leave, and they're taking it. The other thing that also is a problem is when our lawmakers really were enacting this legislation, I don't think in a million years they would have anticipated the amount of intermittent leave abuse that we do experience. But uh, today, employees are also kind of blurring the lines between work and home. And stress 
has certainly been on the rise. You can't pick up an HR trade journal today without somebody talking about employees and mental health and burnout factors. Well, technology has caused us to work kind of harder, faster, longer, harder, faster, longer, and things are really uh, heating up in some uh, some places to the point where they're starting to see employees do what's called quiet quitting, where they're, they're kind of walking off the job and uh, they're looking for other opportunities where they're not really hitting that burnout factor. But then there are those that are staying with the same employer, but now they've learned how to abuse this process. And what they're doing is calling in conveniently uh, on like Fridays and Mondays or in conjunction with their off days. The other thing that's also going on is uh, employees who just don't want to work the overtime. Do you know they will go get their treating physician to fill out paperwork and not work the overtime? They can, and they can get away with it until such a time as they uh, have exhausted their FMLA. So the indicators of abuse are out there. I mean, you'll have employees come in and say, hey, look what I just saw on social media. Look at this person. They're either out fishing or out shopping or uh, doing something that their coworkers have now alleged that is uh, something that they shouldn't be able to do, uh, but called in using FMLA. So coworker sightings on days they've used uh, FMLA, things like that. We're seeing pattern absences. And then also what I see is uh, employees that are out on FMLA after they've really received a pretty significant disciplinary warning, or let's say they've now been placed on a performance improvement plan. Now, usually I see that as continuous leave. Uh, They will go out for a stress-related disorder, and what they're doing is shopping for a new job. Uh, They just needed the time off from work to kind of regroup. So there is some fraud with that, yes, but I find the fraud is really more around the intermittent leave abuse. Let's talk about the top three tips in how to investigate now that you know that uh, there are some people who are gaming the system out there. The first one is to really watch for the patterns to identify the abuse itself. And that means you really need to have a good tracking mechanism, a good leave management solution. One that I do really recommend is Absentis. So if you want to Google that, A-B-S-E-N-T-Y-S, that's a really great solution that is out there. I have some clients that are are running that software. But then you've got to look at what the certification document says. And so after you've identified some of the patterns, trends, how are they using their time? Is it in sync with, let's say, holidays or vacations or in sync with off days? What is is going on? Just look at the, the tracking of how they're using their time so you're at least getting an idea of what's going on. Then you take a look at the certification document. Well, what is it that the doctor has approved? So let's assume it's a WH380E for the employee. Let's call him Fred. And Fred has uh, had a treating physician sign off on his document. And uh, let's say for migraine headaches. And let's say the doctor approved Fred to be out three days a month for migraine headaches. And now Fred is taking a lot longer. Hmm four days, five days, six, maybe last month he took seven days off citing FMLA. Well, the doctor only approved him for three. So that requires you doing a little bit of investigative work there and working with your FMLA case manager. That's where I would go and do a recertification. So that's one strategy that you can employ. But also when you're looking at that certification document and you're examining specifically what the treating physician said, that treating physician will tell you what the employee's limitations are. Is the employee restricted with lifting? Is the employee restricted from driving? Is the employee restricted um, you know, from uh, traveling or like traveling by air or things like that? Uh, you wanna know what the limitations are in that certification. 
And then once you've really identified that, then we move on to tip number three, which is comparing the limitation to the credible evidence of abuse. In other words, what's going on when they've called in? Are they out there engaging in activities that clearly their certification states they wouldn't be able to? Like if an employee is completely supposed to be uh, like not able to drive at all, and now we have evidence of them out shopping and driving. Well, that's a pretty good example of of fraud. But you've got to look at uh, the limitations and then see exactly what's showing up. Let's say you have some posts on social media. Well, one of the problems with just relying on social media is if an image is out there, well, how do you know that image was created on the specific date that it was posted? Careful, you, you can't just jump to conclusions. But let's say um, you do see something that was posted. Um, my spouse, uh, Ken, who has been uh, in the business with me for a long time, he had a case a number of years ago with the fraudster and uh, he posted to uh, social media he was at one of, uh, I guess, the Disney hotel properties, very fancy property, and was there with his spouse. And they uh, had decorated the bed with the rose petals, and the uh, the housekeeper did the the towels uh, like little swans that were sort of kissing in the shape of a heart on the bed. And then there was this wonderful invitation to some event that was happening on property, but identified specifically him and his spouse and the date. And he posted that and he was supposed to be on FMLA and clearly would not have been able to travel and engage in the activities. So that was really uh, powerful evidence that was used in that type of case. So those are the kinds of things that uh, you can go look for. So first tip is watch for the patterns and abuse. You've got to know what's going on. Number two, examine the certification document, understand what the limitations are. And number three, compare the limitations to what evidence do you have of the abuse? And if you are unable to really uh, get hard evidence, then it might be that you need to reach out to an external PI in order to get that evidence. Uh, if someone is um, engaged in uh, activities such as maybe working, maybe they're duly employed and working somewhere else while in FMLA or something like that, and it might be time for you to leverage an outside PI to conduct some video surveillance during the employee's normal work hours. And then what that will do is show a fact pattern of how they're engaging in activities that are completely not aligned with what their treating physician signed off on on their FMLA paperwork. The other thing you also can do, uh, depends on the circumstances, but if an employee has uh, perhaps not taken intermittent leave, but maybe they are out on continuous leave, but have drawn short-term disability benefits. I can tell you this is on the rise. Uh, employees uh, are starting to really, uh, really try to game the system and they're drawing disability insurance benefits. Folks, that is called insurance fraud. If that is happening, then that's where you need to certainly reach out to your legal counsel. And I would say, everything I've just talked about, you want to do in lockstep with your legal counsel as well. But uh, I would reach out to your disability carrier, reach out to their risk management department, or if they have a legal department, fraud department usually. And it may be that they will work a parallel investigation along with you, and they will do what they can to catch the fraudster. And uh, what I've noticed is a pattern and trend here uh, in that, about the past five, six, seven years, where uh, organizations 
are beginning to prosecute for fraud. This is insurance fraud. You have someone who is alleging that they are too ill, too injured to be able to work for you and need this time off from work under FMLA. And yet you you catch them out working and maybe at their side hustle or just working at uh, some other job and they're double dipping. Uh, they're drawing short-term disability benefits from you as the employer, but now they're also working elsewhere. And that is indeed fraud. All right, so that's it for today's show. I hope this has given you uh, a nice little boost in uh, your knowledge in handling FMLA cases. And I look forward to seeing you back again at the HR Investigations Podcast. See ya. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Investigations Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share the show with any colleagues who will benefit from our strategies and solutions. For free bonus resources, simply visit hr-investigations.com. And remember, if you'd like some help with improving your investigative skills, or if your organization is in need of an external investigator to help with the case, please get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.